I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome to Play Me's special series, The Show Must Go On, and part three of Take the Milk Now, written and performed by Gervaise Parisram. In parts one and two of Take the Milk Now, we meet Jiv, who's attempting to create the first ever Indo-Caribbean Hindu play as he explores his multi-hyphenated identities. We learn how colonialism forces his family from India to Trinidad and how being born and raised in Canada set him apart. This is the conclusion of Take the Milk Now, written and performed by Gervaise Parisram. Man, I didn't want to do an identity play. I didn't want to do an identity play because identity is just a raft. And I know I said it was a field earlier, but I guess it doesn't matter because everything is everything, right? Every jiv is every jiv. But I think raft is more to the point. Because even though it's all an illusion, identities are real because we do not live in a world where we can ignore difference. I said earlier, I don't think states are real. Borders, not real. You know who thinks borders are real? Border guards. And they got guns. So yeah, even though it's all an illusion, here we are, living through the illusion. All right. Now I'm going to talk to you all serious like LeVar Burton on Reading Rainbow. Or LeVar Burton Reads, which is an excellent podcast. You should check it out. When I was growing up in Nova Scotia, I wanted Nova Scotian identity. I wanted in on that raft. I wanted to be part of that mainstream. I wanted to be that, but how could I? I was neither black nor white. Neither black nor white in a place that was divided. For good reason. Now, white people love to talk about how great they were and how the Underground Railroad ended in Nova Scotia, which it did, the mainstream history. What they didn't like to talk about was Africville, the marginal history. And if you're unfamiliar, Africville was a free settlement of black people that was growing, growing too close to the otherwise white downtown. And up on that mainstream white raft, they do not talk about Africville, especially how the white government bulldozed Africville and scattered the people to the margins of society. And sure, you can look at that and say, well, look at what Nova Scotians did to themselves. We hurt each other. Jiv hurt Jiv. Jiv on Jiv violence. But that's not really what went down, was it? It was always difficult to determine exactly which raft I belonged on in the first place, because everybody else, Mi'kmaq, Asians, Arabs, Jews, all the other others, we disappeared from the regional binary consciousness. We were at the margins of the margins in a dichotomous black and white world. And because of this, the less I identified with black people, the more I was allowed on the white side, on the mainstream Nova Scotian raft. But here's the trade-off. The less I talked about the realities that affected black people, the more I let that history be forgotten. 
And let's face it, I was just hanging off the edge of that white mainstream Nova Scotian raft anyway. I was tolerable, because Indians were good at keeping our heads down. Ahimsa, nonviolence, Gandhi. We keep to ourselves. We take care of ourselves and we adapt to the system around us to survive. And at least this way, I wasn't left alone to float downstream. But identity shift and the raft fractures. For me, that happened in junior high school, early 2000s. Early school year, leaves hadn't changed. So it must have been September, maybe the 9th, the 12th. Or maybe it was September 11th, 2001. My whole life, I was different but acceptable. Then this kid told me that someone flew a plane into the Twin Towers and we all ran to the school library window to watch the teachers watch the news. Then one of the teachers, a young guy, a cool guy, he came to the window and I saw him see me and I saw something in his eyes change. And then he shut the blinds. Now I thought there'll be a war and I thought I'm gonna go to war, defend my country, protect my home. That's not how it went. Instead, my teachers would ask me about my uncles Saddam and Bin Laden in class. And I got frustrated because the raft was getting rocky. Instead, my vice principal decided I was a threat to the student body and gave me the maximum suspension because I wasn't stable. So I had to make a word search in French class because that's what passes for an education nowadays. And I put the words torche or torch with voyageur together, connected on the O. My vice principal said I was threatening his Acadian heritage because he was descended from the voyageurs and clearly I wanted to torch them. Just a reminder that I'm just some dangerous foreigner. Because home is not where you live. Home is where your blood has mixed with the soil. So it's late. I've been isolated. I'm depressed, so I sleep late into the day. My mom and my brothers, they work at night. My dad's working in Trinidad at this point, so I don't see anybody for what feels like a real long time. None of the other kids want to talk to me online anymore, so I make a witty away message from my ICQ, and I go for a walk. As I'm walking up the street, this car drives by, and a guy throws an egg at me and yells, Nigger! And I think, dude, man, could you please be more accurate with your racism? Call me Cully, call me Packy, but whatever. Keep walking. Cut up behind the old church to get to the park. There's this guy smoking in the distance. I don't think much of it. But then I hear the words, Packy. And I think, hey, progress. Then I hear the word, terrorist. And then boom. (laughs) I am on the ground. My head smashed against a slaty Nova Scotian rock. Time slows down. I watch my blood mix with the soil and think... I guess I'm home now. I guess this is what it means to be home. I get back up, he comes at me again, I get his arm and I feel it go snap, and I run. I don't tell anybody about that for a long time. I don't tell my family, they got enough on their plate. But when I do try to tell friends, teachers, other people, they all say the same thing. Oh, there's no way that could have happened here. Or, well, you do look pretty intimidating. Because identity shift and the raft fractures. See, I wasn't on the white raft anymore. Wasn't on the mainstream Nova Scotian raft. Couldn't swim to the black raft. And why should they take me in anyway? What ounce of solidarity did I ever risk? So I took the only raft I had left. Hindu. 
And I don't know if I did that because of a truth I knew inside or just to draw a line and say, I am not Muslim. As if the people ignorant enough to hold that hate would be able to tell the difference. And I failed my Muslim brothers and sisters that day. I failed my Muslim aunties and uncles. Because I never said that this irrational hate was wrong. In identifying as a Hindu, all I did was say to the people who cast me off, I am not the thing you hate. Please don't leave me here adrift. Take me back. When someone drew a line to say, you are other, my reaction was to draw another line and say, but I'm not them. I failed because that reaction speaks to a larger legacy of colonization. An empire that had infected my mind to have me beg for the privilege to belong even if it comes at the expense of others. An empire that will burn your humble, moisture-farming family alive. Do you remember the Tijuana family in Alberta? A Sikh family were burned alive in their family-run hotel just a couple, couple years back. Wasn't a whole lot of coverage in the news. There was a bunch of racist graffiti on the walls, but police refused to call it a hate crime. On the plus side, they didn't all die. On the downside, the sons got pretty sick from the smoke inhalation as they were pulling their father's burning corpse from the flames. I think one of the ways that empire keeps itself alive is by ensuring that the people in the margins are too immobilized to rise up, to unify. Because we wouldn't want another Haiti, would we? We'll be right back. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. When they churned the ocean of milk, it wasn't just the elixir of eternal life that came out. There was also poison. Halhala, it was called. In the process of trying to achieve immortality, the gods and demons churned out a poison that threatened all existence. It was the poison of their conflict, of their division from each other, the gods and demons. Because in Hinduism, do you know what the difference is between gods and demons when you get right down to it? Nothing. It's just light and dark. We only tend to think light is better because we can see it. Seems truthful like that. So when the poison came out, they asked Shiva, Mahadev, the great supreme being, god of destruction. They prayed to destruction to save all existence. And Shiva drank the poison. And then Parvati is Shakti, the earth, his feminine form, the only one more powerful than him. She held his throat so he wouldn't swallow it and be destroyed. And together they held the venom, all the hate and malice born from the illusion of difference so that the Amrit, the healing, could come. You know, there's an old saying, before you can take the Amrit, before you can take the milk, you gotta take the poison. Do you know what it means? to be marginal.
And if you don't know what I mean by that, that's okay. Let me do my best to explain. There is a labor to listening, reading between the lines, a hyper-awareness. Because it's not violent, not outright. Weirdly, that would actually be easier because physical violence heals. Believe me, it heals. Spiritual violence, however. Well, they let slip some microaggression to indicate, to let you know, perhaps unknowing, that they are letting you know that you are, in fact, beneath them. That your experience, perspective, system of perception is invalid. They're not trying to inflame you, you know that. But maybe they'd be content to extinguish you. Here's one for me. Oh, I'm sure that's brilliant, but that's so esoteric, I can't possibly wrap my head around it. Which translates maybe to, it's not worth my time to understand your way of thinking. My way of being. And so you listen, and you mark that. Check. Noted. While my other brown friend says that's not her experience. Check. Noted. Let's face it. All religion is oppressive by nature. Check. Noted. No one else here seems to have a problem. Maybe it's just you. And this listening, it takes energy. But you have to listen because you wouldn't want to falsely accuse someone of something they're not doing, unless they are. But they might not know they're doing it. But it takes so much energy to explain it to them. But then how else will they know? So now it's a judgment call and it's all so draining and you can't fully engage because you're on the fence as if this is someone who you can trust and you can't be in the room and, hey, we're just checking in. Seems like you're not really present and the rest of us here. It's like you're wrapped up in your own thoughts and maybe it's all in your head. And I'm on the streetcar and the sound is too much because I've been listening all day long. And I put my hands over my eyes, because I feel like I'm being watched. Or no, not watched, I've been watching. I've been watching and observing so carefully, reading between every line, and my eyes are sore and worn and bursting out and hot. And my hands are cold because the blood's drained from them, and I just want to cool my eyes down for a bit. And now I'm in a new space, a friendly space, a white friendly space, with friendly white people. Good people, I'm sure, but I'm so tired, I can't know for sure. I can't keep up the listening and the watching. My breath is getting shallow. Can't seem to breathe deep enough to ground myself, and if I do, it'll look like some kind of yogic breath control. They want to know about my scarf. They touch it. They tell me they have one just like it. Get on the streetcar is staring at me. Look, Mommy, a coolie. I'm so tired, I'm shaking. Look, Mommy, the coolie is shaking. You know, she's, she's not even saying coolie. She doesn't know that word. Maybe it's all in my head. I can't seem to compartmentalize. It's not my strength. I'm exposed. I feel cold. I'm shaking. Mommy, the man looks angry. Mommy, I'm scared. And I am frightening! Because I do not belong. Because to be marginal is to live with a nervous condition. And to be fragile is to experience that condition anew. When you break down and you watch your identity fragment like shrapnel come back to the vein. Because you couldn't listen closely enough, for long enough, with enough endurance to navigate the shitstorm of the mainstream, the main body of the text. To be marginal is to live on the sides, always watching from the sides, making sure that this is worth your time. Making sure that they won't purge you. 
and you are immobilized in your margin with the fear that there is nothing out there. So if that's all completely unfamiliar to you, if you never have to feel marginal, you feel like you don't have to hold that poison on the daily, then what I need you to do is just skip the next little bit. Because I just need to make a space where I can talk to the folks who also experience what it's like to be on the sides. I know it's a bit unconventional. It's a bit different than how this would be if we were in the same room. It's a podcast, and so what we've come up with is if you can just skip to the next episode if you feel like you should be leaving. And if not, keep on going. Uh, And just to be clear on what the ask is, if you experience something like what I've been talking about, uh, it doesn't have to be the same thing, but if that's familiar to you, please keep listening. And if you don't experience that, if you can help us make the space by just skipping to the next track. Thanks so much. We're going to play you a little bit of exit music for you. Um, the one thing I, I would also like to say, you know, identities, they're intersectional. I don't know your experience. You're the only person who knows your experience, and you're the only person who knows if you should stay or if you should go. Uh, but if you do experience this kind of nervous condition thing, then by all means, please feel welcome to stay. If the reason that you're staying is because you're an ally, uh, I'll also remind you that allyship, allyhood, you know, it's not a static thing. It's uh, it's not a badge you earn. It's an evolving practice. So right now there's an ask for allies that if this is not their experience to help make that space. So if this isn't your experience, if you can help us by just skipping to that next track, but by all means, if it is your experience, please do stay, keep listening. If the reason that you're staying is because you're a super woke ally, you might need to be super woke enough to get the fuck out of here. So maybe just press that next track. But again, if this is your experience, please feel free to stay. Okay? At this point, if you're still here, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that you feel like you should keep listening, and that's totally cool. Okay. So at this point, if you're still listening, I'm gonna assume that you chose to be here. So, uh, let's go. (sighs) There we are. We're alone now. You feel that? How the space has changed, maybe even just in your head? Knowing that you're not listening to the same thing somebody else might? It's kind of sad, right? Maybe there's, like, a loss... Maybe it's kind of like, right? Fucking right? I mean, yeah, take up some mental space. Don't apologize for the space you take up. Seriously, though, do you feel weird about having to separate people like that? I mean, I get it. Because maybe some of your friends would be listening to this. Or like your partner or your brother, your parent. I don't know. Like, I feel a little bit weird about it, too. Like, I got mainstream friends. Some of my best friends are mainstream. Wonder if anyone listening feels good about it. 
Because I get that too, you know? Being marginal people, just hanging out together. You know, being marginal. Okay, so here's the deal. Here's why I asked the mainstream people, the self-identified mainstream people, to skip to that next episode. There are certain conversations that can be had amongst people with a marginal experience that can't really happen in the same way when there's a bunch of people with a mainstream experience. Because they might think I'm talking on your behalf. And when I say your behalf, I mean all of us. And look, it's still a place. So when I say conversations, I mean, I'm still going to keep talking at you for a while. So here we go. Here's my real problem with identity plays. Every time I see one, it's all translation. You get a marginalized body on stage or on the radio, in a podcast. We spend the whole time explaining our marginal experience to the mainstream audience, and then there's no time to get into anything that's actually challenging or thought-provoking for the people who actually live on the margins. So we get to watch or listen and go, yeah, I relate to that, or I feel represented. And look, that's important. Representation is important. But wouldn't it be better if we could be represented and also talk about some real shit? The way I see it, if I'm going to take the time and the tax dollars, your tax dollars, by the way, if you're listening in Canada, to make a show about marginal identity, I'd really rather it be a show that can actually offer something to the marginal people who live in the sidelines, rather than just another one where the mainstream get to learn. So here's my problem with marginal identity. It implies you have no power, and that's not true. You have power. We all have power. And yes, some people who might be listening to this part, they have more power than others. You know, we're not all equal just because we're all marginal. I'm arguably the most powerful person in this relationship right now. I'm actually being piped into your head, and I'm a cis straight dude with a mic. With two mics, actually. I have another one that I'm not using right now, but I have access to it. So here's my problem with marginal identity. When marginalization becomes part of your identity. White supremacists, and stay with me on this. White supremacists believe they're being oppressed. Now, when I was growing up in Dartmouth, I was friends with a white supremacist, which I know is kind of weird. I guess we were more acquaintances. Also, he tased me one time. He was at a party. Dartmouth is a really weird place. Anyway, for whatever reason, he liked me. Uh, his point was that he respected that there was black power, so why shouldn't there be white power? And sure, you could look at that and say, well, look around, you fucking dumbass. Or you could look at that and say, well, this guy actually believes he's being oppressed. Because what happens when we hang on to that mentality? That marginalized mentality, which if we're listening to this, if we're all still together, we all said that we experience in some form. Look, you know that marginal nervous condition? I hold that poison so often, I don't know if I can turn it off. Even when I know I'm just talking to you. All my marginal people. I can't turn it off. And I want to. So what's the end goal? Do we want to be them? Do we want to be something else? Because we have power. But what happens when we've had our heads down too long to realize that our power has grown? People didn't think of Hindus as being pretty passive. You know, Om Shanti Shanti, Bhakti, 
Yoga, Bikram, Hatha, Ashtanga, Hot. For a long time in India, Hinduism was a marginal religion. It was marginal despite being the majority. But when the British left, it became a Hindu state. And then what happened? When it held that venom for so long, it gave rise to Hindu nationalism. To this day, in India, Hindus, believing India is for Hindus, will burn Muslim villages, will murder, will oppress because they think they're under threat. Look, man, I'm no Hindu nationalist. But let's face it, when push came to shove, when I was a kid with my head smashed open, I drew that line and I kicked whoever I needed to off my raft. And you know what? I don't hold guilt for that. Because I don't think guilt is productive. That's a thing I did. And now that's a thing I need to work hard every day to never do again. Because that is the danger of the margins. That we can be so distracted by staring into the mainstream. So enwrapped by the nervous condition that we can't see beyond ourselves. And then we become poisoned. We keep to our side. We take care of ourselves. We really practice self-care. We have to. But maybe enough so that it gives us an out to say, oh, I can't do anything about that because those mainstream fuckers fucked it up. And yeah, they did. But it's not like we're not part of that too. I don't think we can hold the venom individually without succumbing to the poison. But maybe if we spread it out, we can all be a little bit better. Because don't we want to heal? Sometimes healing doesn't feel good. Because I know that we're not them. But we're also them. We might be on the margins of the page, but we're still on the page. Because we're all jiv, man. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say to you, but I felt with uh, all the mainstream folks tuning in, it wouldn't really be quite the same. There wouldn't be enough room on the page to get it all out. So thank you for continuing to listen to me talk at you. Now we can bring everybody just back together. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.